So we continue now in this series on, you know, what's the difference between just keeping a house? Going through the daily routines, the chores, the cleaning, the laundry, the dishes, paying the bills, keeping a yard, keeping a pet. What's the difference between keeping a house and building a Christian home? We're in the midst of six biblical guidelines that differentiate those two. Week one was, we'll just say it, the most important, the most important piece of any house or structure, especially the home, whether it's one or many in your home, is the foundation. But as we said in our memory verse again, the good news is God's already laid that foundation for us, and that is Jesus Christ. The second biblical guideline to help build a Christian home is communication. God told us in, in Ephesians 4.15 to speak the truth in love to one another. So God cares not just about the matter, speak the truth, but God also cares about the manner, how we say it, speak the truth in love with one another. Last week we talked about taking out the trash. And how much trash accumulates in our homes every day. Not physical trash, though that does too. But our sin and our hurt and our brokenness with one another. But God has a dump where we can go every single day with our trash and leave it at his cross. As we forgive one another in our homes just as he has fully and freely forgiven us. Today we're going to look at biblical guideline number four, and that is commitment, this word commitment. I came across a story about a father and a son who were in a sporting goods store, just kind of walking aisles and having fun together, when a particular weight set caught the son's attention. And many of you know how this goes next. Please, Dad, can I please get that weight set? I don't know, son. Please, Dad, I'll use it every day, I promise. It's not cheap either, said the dad. Please, Dad, I'll show you. Please, I promise, every day. <sighs> okay. And so the father was won over by his son's pleading, and they get to the checkout line, and the father pays for the set and starts to walk towards the exit when he hears his son gripe behind him, What? You mean I have to carry them all to the car? You see, when it comes to commitment, talk can be cheap. That is why for biblical guideline number four, we are going to look at the words of Jesus because his talk is never cheap. Look again at these words. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has none than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. 
So look at those first two verses there. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Love one another then as I have loved you. What Jesus is saying here is that he wants the depth of our love for one another to mirror the love of the Holy Trinity itself. Right? As the Father has had perfect love for his Son, and Jesus has had perfect love for you and for me, he wants us to reflect the love of the Trinity itself in our day-to-day relationship with one another. And that depth of love includes the home. And so what does it look like? So we're going to get at today. What does it look like to have that depth of love as the Father has loved me, I have loved you, have that love for one another? What's that look like in the home? I think the best definition of this biblical love is commitment. Commitment. So that for many of the passages in the Bible that have the word love in it, many times we could make a substitution and say the word commitment in the place of love. For example, let's just try this out a couple times. Let's go to John 3, 16. All right, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Let's substitute the word commitment. For God is so committed to the world, you and to me, that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And let's try that on in our text for today. Everywhere it says love, let's do commitment. As the Father is committed to me, so I am committed to you. This is my commandment, that you are committed to one another as I am committed to you. Greater commitment has none than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. Remember how I said at the beginning with commitment, talk can be cheap. When did Jesus speak these words to his disciples and even to us? This took place in the upper room the evening before he would go to the cross. As I have loved, as I have been committed to you, have that commitment to one another. Greater commitment has none than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And Jesus, the next morning, would show the depth of love and commitment for you and me, for all of his friends. Have that level of commitment, even sacrifice for one another. And that includes in the home. So what does this biblical love, this commitment in the home look like? We're just going to look at three areas this morning that that this will bring to life. 
First, this depth of love and commitment to one another in the home starts with commitment to the marriage. Commitment to the marriage. Christian counselors, Dr. Les and Leslie Parrott, in their book, Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts, share a study that was done a few years ago. In this particular study, three doctors studied 6,000 marriages and 3,000 divorces, and the study revealed this. There may be nothing more important in a marriage than a determination that it shall persist. Commitment is the mortar that holds the stones of marriage in place. Commitment. It's all about commitment. And isn't that also the essence of the marriage vow? Before God and the witnesses gathered, I take you to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness or in health. I pledge you my faithfulness till death alone separates. Profound words of commitment. And commitment to the marriage means commitment above the children. I'll say that, that the marriage has to come before the children. Right? The children matter. The children care. They are given from God to rear and teach them in his words and ways. But we don't stand before a God and pledge ourselves to children till death. But we do take that promise to the spouse. And it's actually when the marriage takes priority over even rearing children that that sense of wellness and security from the marriage flows out to the sense of wellness and security of the children. Right? Commitment is the mortar that holds the stones of the family, the house in place. And when the commitment to the marriage precedes the family, does it ever pay big dividends? Perhaps that's why King Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 9.9, enjoy life with the wife whom you love because that is your portion in life and the fruit of labor for which you toil under the sun. Just enjoy that wedded life and commitment together. That's God's plan for the home. Loving each other as I have loved you is not just commitment to the marriage, but secondly, we could also say that that includes commitment to the family, commitment to every single person in the family unit. Reminds me of the great chapter on love 
and 1 Corinthians 13. And again, let's substitute commitment, right? Commitment is not self-seeking. It looks out for the interest and well-being of all others. So what does it look like in our homes when we are committed also to each other? I think it starts with that commitment is not just expressed in words to each other, though that's important, but also in quantity time together. We often hear how important quality time is, quality time, quality time, and it is. But I think we need to uncover and recover more of the quantity time together as families and as households. Several studies have asked children, what makes a happy family? Here's what the most common answer was not. To what makes a happy family, the children didn't answer money. The children didn't answer a big house or a certain kind of car or even a gaming system in the bedroom or living room. You know what the most common answer was? Doing things together. What a perspective from the little ones. Commitment to the family expressed not just in words, but in quantity time together. And I think then part of having quantity time together is for families to take an inventory. That we should all go home and regularly take an inventory of our yeses and nos. That means we have to prioritize and plan. For example, just think of all the yeses that you are committed to. Because everything we say yes to in our lives means we also are saying no to someone or something else. And so as a family, are we saying yes to what matters most and do we need to say no to some things so that we can really start saying yes to what's more important? That quantity time together. I have yet to meet a person who has retired or in a hospital bed in older years of life or nearing retirement say, you know, I wish I would have had less family time and worked more. It's true. Even in the church, what I always hear is the opposite. I wish I would have worked less so that I could have made more time for what matters most. And so a question for us all to reflect on, no matter what age we are in the family, where has the family been getting my leftovers? And where do I need to evaluate all the things I'm saying yes to that I, so I can say no to some things, which then help me say yes to what really matters? 
When I think of commitment to the family, I can't help think of the First Testament story of Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi. Naomi had lost everything. Her husband died, and then her two children, her sons, died. So here you have a very bitter mother-in-law with two daughter-in-laws. One daughter-in-law asked to go back home to her family. And of course, Naomi says, go. And then Naomi looks at Ruth and says the same thing. Go back to your family. Go be with them. And may God bless you and give you children with others, someone else, and so forth. And here's what Ruth said back to her mother-in-law. Where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, Naomi, I will lodge. And where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. That is commitment to the family at any cost. Loving each other as he has loved us. Last but in no way least, we express this biblical love and commitment, not just in commitment to the marriage and then commitment to the family, but especially in our commitment to Christ, that the family as a unit, every individual is all out committed to Jesus Christ. Again, I want to look back at some words in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 this time from Solomon, where King Solomon says, two are better than one, because one person can be overpowered, but two people can resist him, or could be translated, can defend themselves. But look at the next one. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Just like if you are braiding someone's hair or you have a strong rope, it's when the two are intertwined around that third cord that gives the braided hair, the braided rope, all of its strength. And it's even more true here. When the marriage and the family are wrapped around that third cord, the Lord Jesus Christ, that is a cord, a household, a Christian home, that will not be quickly broken. In our questions later for here in practice, I'm going to ask you to reflect on those three areas of commitment and just ask you, where are you strong? Where are you strong right now? Commitment to marriage, commitment to the family, commitment to Christ. And which of the three needs improvement, right? We all have growth areas. And then secondly is more a challenge. This afternoon, sometime this week, have a sit down together as a family. 
and just evaluate all of the yeses and all of the noes. And you know what? Encourage each other to set some small goals that you can be achievable, achieving, and you can celebrate all focused on though that quantity time together. The commitment. As the Father has been committed to me, I've been committed to you. Have that commitment to one another. And that includes in the home. Amen.